Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Happy Labor Day weekend. Happy National Colors Day for colleges. And we're going to start right there because I got all excited. I did not read the fine print, if you will. Because today here at Delta Media, we're all wearing our favorite. Supposed to be, supposed to be. National College Colors Day. It's always the Friday before Labor Day weekend because college football always kicks off during that weekend. I decided not doing that. I was like, oh, I'll just wear my favorite team. And of course, instinctively, I picked out my Atlanta Braves gear, which, by the way, is a professional baseball team. It is not a college team, just to point out. (laughs) So, wow, the producer extraordinaire, if she can uh, flip the camera over to her here on the simulcast, is proudly rocking a very intricate Louisiana Raging Cajuns jersey this morning. Bravo to her for that. Yes, 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 yes. I am, in fact, wearing a quarter-zip Atlanta Braves World Series championship gear. So I did not follow instructions, and it didn't hit me until I walked into the studio. (laughs) So it's a good sign of how we're going to roll today on this Friday edition of RP3 and Company as we get you geared up for the holiday weekend good morning happy labor day weekend and happy national colors day to you producer extraordinaire miss hannah five names thank you thank you very much you as well with your little land braves thing (laughs) my little braves thing uh will kevin actually wear something well was he actually in the email chain but i told i told footsie about it (laughs) Which is always dangerous because you think, I'll just tell Kevin and it'll be fine. And in fact, it is not fine. No. No. It is not fine. So, it's a coin toss. 50 <laughs> 50. We'll see what happens. We do have a tremendous show for you today on this Friday, Labor Day weekend edition of RP3 and Company. James Yasko. From the Lima Time Time podcast is going to join us an hour from now. Astros had the night off after taking two games from the Texas Rangers. They now gear up for a weekend series in Anaheim to take on the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. We'll preview that at 7 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, Jesse 
Coger will join us from Plant the Spear. He covers the Florida State Seminoles. We're going to go behind enemy, enemy, breaking in the new tongue today on this Labor Day weekend. We'll get you some perspective on the opponent for LSU. By the way, the Tigers will be taking on the Seminoles Sunday night inside the Caesar Superdome. So Jesse will join us from Plant the Spear at 8 o'clock. Then the return of Friday Fantasies with our guy Zach Miller. Final notes for all of you who have not drafted yet. That includes everyone in the RP3 and Company League. We pushed our draft until next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Want to make sure there's no trades. Want to make sure there's no uh, injuries. Nothing worse than drafting early in the process than having your guy that you spend a first or second or third round pick on blowing out his knee in a preseason game. So we'll have our draft on Tuesday. So Zach will help us get ready for that. And then to close out today's show, we'll have the Big Easy Blitz. Fletcher Mackle from WDSU out of New Orleans will hop on there, gives us his thoughts on the Saints. Where do they go from here? The day after trading Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Or two days later, Marcus May, we find out, was involved in some sort of incident involving a gun. Now, not to speculate, his attorney vehemently denies the allegations. What I find interesting about the Marcus May situation that this occurred on Monday, which means the Saints knew about it before deciding to trade Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Think about that for a second. They knew about this before trading Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So we'll talk all things Saints on the Big Easy Blitz with Fletcher Mackle, who will join us once again at 8.30. So that's who we got lined up to join us here on this Friday edition of RP3 and Company. Once again, it's National College Colors Day. I don't follow simple instructions. Hannah did, though. Shout out to her. Shout out to her. But you know what? I'm going to embrace it. Yeah, it's National College Colors Day. But you know what? Rock your favorite sports team day. How about that? We're going to make it a thing. Rock your favorite team, college or pro. That's what we're going to do today. I'm making an editorial decision. That way I don't look as foolish as I already did. But how can I look foolish when I'm rocking the defending World Series champion gear? Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> oh, we do have a poll question of the day for you to go vote on it's about our three college teams who has the best chance to win their season opener is it the louisiana raging cajuns versus southeastern louisiana saturday night at cajun field is it the mcneese state cowboys traveling up to montana bozeman to take on montana state or is it the lsu tigers playing host to the florida state seminoles sunday night inside the Caesar Superdome. Go vote on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments. 
on Twitter and Facebook. And, of course, we will update it throughout today's show. Let's start off with college football because it was an interesting night last night. Labor Day weekend, we we always have a slew of games. Thursday, some on Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, you even have a game on Monday. No NFL to serve as a conflict, so college football seizes the opportunity. We have not one but two Chick-fil-A kickoff games. Oregon, Georgia on Saturday, and then we have Clemson, Georgia Tech on Monday. So it's a big deal. Tonight, for example, Western Michigan takes on Michigan State. It's the lone Friday game. But last night, whoo, had some action. Central Michigan, Oklahoma State. This is a MAC versus Big 12 matchup. They're in Stillwater. Cowboys are ranked number 12 in the country. And it felt like just old school Big 12 shootout. 58 to 44. 58 to 44. It was the score of this game. It's college football. It can always count on Okie State to step up and be like, not a problem. We got this. Spencer Sanders threw for 406 yards with four touchdowns and no picks for Oklahoma State. What? What? The Central Michigan, who we all know the Chippewas are known for their prolific passing attack. The Central Michigan quarterback threw for more yards and just as many touchdowns as Oklahoma State's quarterback. Daniel Richardson was 36 of 49 for 424, four touchdowns and a pick. (laughs) That is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Just like, what are you doing, man? Glad to see that Oklahoma State's Defense is already in mid-season form. Don't you ever change, Big 12. Don't you ever change. For real. It's phenomenal. Just awful defense. Let Central Michigan just tear you up. Now, let's go back. Because it wasn't the only game in town, the Oklahoma State Central Michigan game, where the score was 58 44. What a way to start! What a way to start. The backyard brawl was back, played for the first time in a decade. It's stupid that it hadn't been played in a decade. It's a great rivalry game between. Uh, Pittsburgh and West Virginia. They finally are playing it yet again. Thank goodness for that. Pitt, number 17 team, number 17th ranked team in the country, pulls out the win over West Virginia, 38 to 31. 
This was a pretty good game between two old-school rivals. Keldon Slovis for Pittsburgh having to replace Kenny Pickett, who obviously was a Heisman finalist and first-round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looked pretty good. 308 yards, one touchdown. JT Daniels, that's right, JT Daniels, formerly of Georgia. That JT Daniels. He's now at West Virginia. He did not have a great night. 23 of 40, 214 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. QBR was 50. But backyard brawl, glad to see that back. And it came down to MJ Devonshire with with the late pick. Late pick six. That proved to be the game changer and just kind of capped the night for poor JT Daniels as essentially the winning score for Pittsburgh was on a pick six. Not a great start for JT Daniels there at West Virginia. So we had Oklahoma State. Dropping 50-plus on an opponent, but almost giving up 50 because that's classic Big 12 football there. In addition to that, we had the backyard brawl. But Tennessee also played Wake Forest one. They're nationally ranked 22 in the country. They won easily 44-10 to against Virginia Military Institution. Like, really? Really, really, this is who we're playing. But Akron wins against, I want to say, a Division II team or an NIA team, St. Francis of Pennsylvania, and that Akron needed to beat them in overtime. You're an FBS team. What you doing? Tennessee destroys poor Ball State. Remember when Ball State was good for a year? They won, like, double-digit games. A quarterback that could throw. They're, they're, they're not very good. Not not anymore. Not at all. Tennessee destroys Ball State 59 to 10. 59 to 10. The great thing about the Tennessee game was, and I don't know if you caught the highlights, was the fact that a Tennessee offensive lineman decided to do a great flopping job in the game where an undersized Ball State defender pushes him and he kind of stumbles back a little bit and then he carries it on for another five feet and then just falls down. <laughs> it was like, what? you're crushing Ball State. What are you doing here? Oh, Tennessee. God bless you. UCF beats South Carolina State easily. Florida International wins a thriller in overtime against Bryant who is not even an FBS-level program. Saw some teams struggle against FCS-level programs and below. The Penn State-Purdue game was nutty. Purdue loses it late. Just had this game in control. This was Penn State was leading 21-10 to at halftime. 
Purdue rallies, shuts out Penn State in the third quarter, 14 to nothing. So they have the lead. They gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter. 14 points in the fourth quarter. They got a dramatic, Penn State did, dramatic 10-yard touchdown in the, like the last minute to win, and Purdue just choked it away. Gave it up, losing 35-31 to to the Nittany Lions. So crazy start to college football, but that's what you got to love. Labor Day weekend, Tennessee players flopping around, Purdue choking away a game against Penn State, Oklahoma State proving hey, we don't need to play defense at all to win a ball game. And, of course, the backyard brawl. we got to take a timeout. More college football talk coming up here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Yep. Yep. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin, and you can get ready for the NFL Week 1 action. With DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League, to celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up 7 you win. Let me explain. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Got to be 21 years of age to play physically present in Louisiana as well. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bet. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility in terms can be found at DraftKings.com slash football terms. And licensee partner, Golden Nugget. Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. College football had a wacky night last night. Tennessee rolls over poor Ball State. Yet, a lineman decided to do a great flopping job, which always amuses me to no end. Oklahoma State wins a shootout with Central Michigan, 58-44. to 
Ooh, 58 to 44. That's a score of a football game. Not a, you know, group of five basketball game. No, no, no. 102 points scored in a college football game. Don't you ever change, Oklahoma State. Don't you ever change. Mike Gundy's like, defense? Nah, I don't care about all that. Backyard brawl, Pittsburgh, West Virginia. Pittsburgh survives 38-31. to Slovis taking over for Kenny Pickett, who's now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wake Forest is the winner, as we said. Tennessee rolls over poor Ball State. UCF, Florida International. Penn State wins in dramatic fashion against Purdue. Purdue, a tradition like none other, finding ways to lose games. Purdue should be a better program. I know a lot of you don't pay attention to Big Ten football. Purdue should be better year in, year out. Yet they always find ways to lose games. This, of course is a game that I wanted to wait to talk about. No, not Arizona State beating poor Northern Arizona, once again playing a team from a lesser division, or Minnesota shutting out New Mexico State. No, no. The one I really wanted to get to is the one that's going to bring so much joy, happiness, to many of you listening, including the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. There's not many things she dislikes in this world. But one of them is Louisiana Tech. The Bulldogs opened up their season last night on the road in Columbia, Missouri against the Missouri Tigers of the SEC. And they got their faces crushed. 52-24 was the final score. And 14 of that came late in garbage time in the fourth quarter. Missouri was up 24 to 10 at halftime and then scored 14 points that were unanswered in the third as the old Bulldogs had no answer for the Tigers. Louisiana Tech was down last year. They parted ways with Skip Holtz because of it. Even though he had made them a consistent winner, they had a down year. A couple down years, but last year specifically. So they part ways, they bring in... Sonny Cumbie, to turn things around. And the first game is an absolute face plan against Missouri. Missouri's not even that good of an SEC team. Like, Missouri may not even be a bowl team out of the SEC. And if you're Louisiana Tech, you just got mollywopped by Missouri. Could be a long, long year up in Ruston for those Bulldogs. Woo. Woo. Not good. And then you, you you do a first glance and you go, uh, RB3. They had Missouri played two different quarterbacks. One came in in garbage time. They only threw for 235 yards and one passing touchdown. How in the heck did Louisiana Tech get crushed like that? Well, Missouri... Rushed for 323 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. They just lined up and said, we're going to run it right at you. And Louisiana Tech said, had 
no answer whatsoever. Hannah Five Dames is now very happy by this news. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Who has the best chance to win their season opener? Is it the Louisiana Raging Cajuns? Is it the McNeese State Cowboys? Or is it the LSU Tigers? Ton on Twitter says, Cajuns, McNeese is playing one of the best FCS teams in the country. LSU has a lot of questions and going against a team that has a history of toughness with questions of their own. The Lions are a good FCS team but have lost a lot of their best players, so got to be the Cajuns. JPK, the OD, says, would love to say all of the above, but them Cowboys have a tough test up north. Yeah, they, 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 they do. Montana State played for the national title last year on that level. That's, a, that's, that's, that's what we call a daunting challenge. Steve says, with all due respect, Ricky Bobby, LSU is going to plant the spear somewhere in the backside of FSU. Hashtag no salt Friday. You know what I love about Steve? Even when it's supposed to be no salt, there's still a little salt. Right, right. Even when it's when he goes no salt Friday, hashtag no salt Friday, it's still a little salty. John Paul, Cajun Daddy says, Minis has hardest game. We just don't know what to expect from LSU, so got to go with the Cajuns. That's our poll question of the day. Who has the best chance of winning their season opener? Is it McNeese? Is it UL? Or is it LSU? Go vote right now on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Right now, we have to take a timeout. When we return, you know what? We'll open up them phone lines. Game hotline is going to be open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. And we'll also hear from McNeese head coach Gary Goff about opening up the season up at Montana State. That's going to be next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So look, if you or a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. There's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service, and to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811. And know it's below before you dig. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Who has the best chance of winning their season opener? Is it the Louisiana Raging Cajuns versus Southeastern? 
the Mighty Lions? Is it the LSU Tigers taking on the Florida State Seminoles inside the Caesar Superdome Sunday night? Or is it the McNeese Cowboys headed up to take on Montana State in lovely Bozeman, Montana? Go vote on that. Leave your thoughts, your exquisite, thought-provoking, mind-bending, life-changing narration in your head. Put it in digital form on Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell people to leave their comments in a fancy way. Five names, okay? Comment down. Why are you so sassy today? Let's start there. Why are you so sassy today? She rocks the Raging Cajun jersey today, and it is it, it has invigorated her. Yesterday, you could barely even keep your eyes open. You weren't feeling well. And now today, you got nothing but sass, despair. It must be the Raging Cajun jersey. Despair? To to spare, as in to spare, oh. not despair. <laughs> I was like, that's total opposite. <laughs> what the heck? I am peachy. I actually went to bed at like 9.30 last night, which is epic for me because I usually go to bed at 10.30, 11 o'clock. I'm fairly for certain. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on going to bed earlier than uh, a character from the Golden Girls. Good for you. That's that's awesome. Are you excited about the weekend, though? Because, hey, spoiler alert, Labor Day weekend, we got you covered. Okay, I'll be at the LSU game Sunday night, but we're going to have both Matt Miguez and Hannah Five Names at the Raging Cajun game, covering it. I'll be in the stands with the family. You'll be there shooting photos, shooting video. Going to be down on the field. Hopefully, we can arrange it where a player does not run into you causing bodily harm. I mean, I did spend the first two years of college making sure of that because I was in the band and they were running and we had to get off the field if we continued to run. And like, you know, warm up a little bit more. So I mainly am just nervous that I'll take good photos because they run really fast. <laughs> it doesn't matter how fast your camera is. Sometimes you don't get the good picture. And I want the good pictures. I believe in you. Thank you. Because I've never been on the field to actually like just stand there or look pretty very else to watch me. I'm like on the side. Never done that before. This is the first for me. So a little bit nervous. But it's fine. It's going to be a great weekend. It will be. Yes, and you will not be injured. No. Think- I'll find a football player that will keep me safe. <laughs> I will make friends with one of the football players that is on the bench and be like, hey, if they're coming towards me, you better use those pads and help me out here, bud. Bud? They're only like two years maybe, or maybe just a year younger than me. It's fine. <laughs> so that's what we'll be doing this weekend. And uh, Five Names is already fired up. Already fired up. Wearing your favorite team's colors or jerseys today, it does not matter. I have been, have received clarification on this. It is National Wear Your College Colors Day, but we at Delta Media are encouraging everyone to not only wear your favorite college colors, but your favorite pro teams. Jerseys, shirts, quarter zips, 
So guess who is dressed appropriately today? Yeah, boy, RP3. That's right. You had to make yourself not in trouble. <laughs> not listening. Yeah. So, you found a loophole. I did. I found that loophole, and I'm proud of myself for it. Let's talk a little McNeese football once again. Cowboys are going to open up the season in Bozeman, Montana, taking on Montana State. This is a team that played for the national championship just a year ago. So big challenge for Gary Golf and his team as they begin his era at the helm of the Cowpokes. And he talked about you know what to expect when his team takes the field against Montana State Saturday night. No, I mean, I, you know, I think they're, uh, like I said, they're, they're very well coached. they got some uh, great players. Uh, now, they, they've got four players from a year ago that are on NFL rosters somewhere right now. So, that's, uh, that, those are, you know, big, big challenges to fill those holes. I, I get that. But um, they, they, they got depth, you know, and, um, you know, they got on defense uh, a handful of returning starters. Uh, some on offense, definitely the quarterback, who's a great, great football player. Um, but they've got a lot of guys that are, this might be their first time starting that played a lot. They played a lot last year and, and a lot through their, their uh, national championship uh, game run. So um, they got a lot of experience, even though they might be young in some areas. Um, I know the running back is, is still recovering from an injury. It doesn't sound like he's going to be playing. Um, quarterback's back and healthy that's that's a that's a big bonus for them he's a good football player but um no we, we kind of expect them to be who they are I mean that, that helped them get to the national championship game I know they got a new defense coordinator but um you know they're they they got the same structure on on at Montana State that um Garza implemented here so uh should be very similar one of the coaches at McNeese is now at Montana State so that's the familiarity there between the two programs that Coach Golf was touching on. You know, he mentioned their quarterback. Uh, Tommy Mellett is a very good quarterback, but but he had offseason ankle surgery. Now, he's going to be slated to play in this game, but is he going to be up to being 100%? We don't know. We'll find out tomorrow night. That said, Coach Golf knows just how good of a signal caller he is. Well, he's a winner. You can tell about that by watching him play. Um, you know, he, he can make uh, plays with his legs. He extends plays with his legs. Um, and he's done a great job of, of putting the football in the air to some of his playmakers. You know, uh, I know they lost their, their big-time receiver from a year ago, but they've got a, a grad transfer in there now that um, is probably going to fill that, that role. Uh, so, you know, he, he's just um, – he, he, he places the ball where it needs to be and uh, gives his, his uh, teammates a chance to make those plays. But he's dangerous. You know, he can take it the distance. Uh, there's, there's plenty of clips of him going 70 yards, you know. So we got to do a great job containing him, keeping him in front of us. So, yeah, he has that dynamic explosiveness. McNeese is going to have to do a very good job of containing. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, what about – McNeese. Uh, we've heard a lot of there's going to be a two-quarterback system. The Vitek transfer, the Georgia Southern transfer. Now, the the Vitek transfer came in earlier, went through spring football, got a little banged up during the summer. The Georgia Southern transfer came in late during the summer. It's been a two-horse race, so to speak, here in the fall camp. Coach Goff said they're going to continue playing both of them just doesn't know for how long. Well, I'll tell you, um, it's been a good week, but um, you're going to see both of them. 
you're gonna be you're gonna see both of them and uh <laughs> i don't know which one of them will start the game right now um uh, they, they both have had a really good week and like like i've said all along both of them bring something different to the table um but you know I, i'm uh, they're they're making it a tough call right now because i can tell you knox has had a really really good week he's kind of he's kind of showing his cards a little bit there though right he didn't mention the other quarterback he said knox had a really good week Oh, that tells me that you're probably going to go with Knox, Tatum, the Vitek transfer. If I had to guess, both will play. They'll find out. Look, they're going to play at Montana State. Then they're going to play at Rice. Alcorn State comes to town on the 17th. That's the home opener, first game under the lights in years. So they'll have some time here to kind of figure that out. Even though it was announced that Cam Ransom is going to get the first series. I would not be surprised whatsoever if Knox gets more reps at the end of, by the by the time the game is over that Knox Kadem has more reps than Cam does. I wouldn't be surprised by that whatsoever. Obviously, Coach Golf had to come in and had to retool the roster. Uh, what half of it is new? More than 50 new players through the transfer portal or signing from high school or JUCO, 53, I do believe. So a lot of these guys have experience. A lot of these guys have FBS experience. They know what it takes to travel cross-country to get ready for a game. And Coach Golf was asked, you know, have the transfers, the slew of them that they have, a plethora, has that helped with getting prepared for this long road trip? Yeah, no, uh, Ahmad, um, our linebacker, has been, he's awesome. You know, I mean, he's, um, here's a young man who, who grew up uh, as a kid on the sidelines of the Baltimore Ravens. His dad played in several Super Bowls, and so he, he gets the football world, but he's been such a, a, a breath of fresh air talking to the team, talking about, hey, look, you know, I know y'all think this is cool, but look, we got to stay focused, and, and this is what needs to be done, and here's why. I mean, so really, he's been a, a really good mentor to some of our, our freshmen. Um, but you know we got we got him. Um, you, you know we got uh, Marcus. You know Mikael, the running back, who's a, a grad senior that's traveled and played in some big games. So um, even though there's a lot of new players here, a lot of them do have some pretty good experience and, and played big time football and know the expectations. McNeese takes on Montana State tomorrow night in Bozeman, Montana. We'll see if the Cowboys can shock the world and pull off the upset and start the Gary Golf era with a W. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll update the poll question of the day. Wrap up our number one on this Labor Day weekend edition of the show. What? What? You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Saints legend Roman Harper, and you are listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here is the game traffic report on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We've got an accident at the intersection of Polly Lane and Kali Saloon Road. Remember, school zones will be in effect soon, so watch out for that. And if you see something, say something. Call us at 706-0119. This update was brought to you by Superior Contract Cleaning, Acadiana's top choice for flood, fire, and mold remediation. Visit superiorcontractcleaning.com. 
That's your traffic report on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do you need professional cleaning? From complete home or business cleaning to fire and water disasters, Superior Contract Cleaning is the only company you'll need. Visit SuperiorContractCleaning.com or call 337-247-5567. Football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king. That's right. Who's ready to wear the crown? I know I am. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score yourself $500 to chop specialty meats. Get yourself a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Louisiana Raging Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. That's the only way you can win it. It's the only way. you got to become a member of the club. Up in the club. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Go sign up today so you can win. We want you to win. We want you to win. Help us help you. That's what we try to do here on RP3 and Company. We try to help you. Poll question of the day, who has the best chance to win their season opener? Right now, 64% of you say the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. 34% say LSU. 2% says the McNeese Cowboys. Get to some more comments here. Brad says the Cajuns are going to roll southeastern and nobody could flop like the nature boy. Ha, 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 ha. You correct. I love the gif of the Texas tornado hitting him and then him flopping over during the Royal Rumble. Thank you, Brad. It's amazing. Keep those comments coming. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Just make sure you keep them clean for the kids on this Labor Day weekend edition of RP3 and Company. Hour one in the books. Hour number two. Can kick it off with James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast talking all things Astros. That's next here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Labor Day weekend has arrived. Woo! What's your plans? What are you going to be doing this weekend? Lots going on. A lot of people sneak away. Maybe go to the beach, have a good time that way. Others spend their entire weekend covering football. That'll be what I'll be doing. <laughs> I'll be doing high school football tonight. St. Landry Parish Game of the Week will be at Donald Garner Stadium as Opelousas Catholic takes on Oak Grove. You can hear that on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. Saturday, I'll be at the Raging Cajuns game with the family. 
as producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names and Matt Miguez will be there covering for our station. And then Sunday night, I'll be inside the Caesar Superdome covering LSU. So I'm college football guy. But there's also great baseball action this weekend. Astros are on the road. They took both games from the Texas Rangers. Now they're going to be looking for a weekend sweep against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim County, San Diego Credit Union, Posenable. To break it all down for us is the man who somehow has hoodwinked the Houston Chronicle to contribute for them and get paid to do so. He's also the co-host of the Lima Time Time podcast and a man who knows everything about Everton and Manchester United and Man City. I'm just saying names. I have no idea if those are real or not. James Yasko is joining us now on RP3 and Company. James, good morning. Hey, when you were when you were listing those soccer teams, it sounded like you were doing Duolingo. Like you, you were practicing into a phone, a different language. <laughs> My body was rejecting it as it was happening. Um, <laughs> um, now, bud, let's go ahead and get this out of the way now, okay? I feel like we need to address this. Uh, here at Delta Media, we're wearing our favorite team's colors or jerseys, college or pro, and I am rocking a quarter zip Atlanta Braves World Series championship uh, gear. Is this going to, uh, you know, is this going to end our friendship? A part of me, a part of me died uh, just then thinking, thinking about it. Uh, and I immediately went to like my, you were saying Atlanta Braves World Series champion. And my, my brain immediately went to that first pitch home run uh, in, in game one. And, uh, and, and so it's going to take me a second to recover. It, it's, it's all right. You, you can't, you can't help it. Uh, then the same way that you you personally did not win the World Series, I personally did not bang a trash can. So I, I think we can I think we can move past that. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for taking the high ground. That's such a nice man. All right. But so your Alvarez, how concerned are you? Because you look at the numbers and they have they plummeted the last few months while he's dealing with the wrist injury. Now it's a different wrist. Dusty's resting him as much as possible. It sure does seem like to me, James, that if if he wasn't playing for a World Series contender, he'd be shut down and be having some sort of surgery. What do you make of what's going on with the Cuban sensation? Yeah, no, that's exactly what it feels like. It's it's something that, uh, you know, you, you rest it as much as possible. Um, you know, try to try to get something back, you know, come October, uh, you know, if, if they, if they just decided to put him on the IL and just let him, you know, get the, get the Bud Kilmer special, get the cortisone shot um, and, and just rest until, you know, maybe the last week of the season, I, I honestly wouldn't have a problem with that um, because it, it, it's going, it seems like it's going to require surgery, uh, but rest is the next best thing right now. Cause it's not like he forgot how to hit. Like it's not, I, I don't know that, you know, nobody's slump proof, but, but Jordan Alvarez, this is, this isn't who he is. Like there's obviously something else going on. I agree with you. And you mentioned Bud Kilmer and it made me think of James Vanderbeek saying, uh, I don't want your life and doing it in a Spanish accent now. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do they do though? If look, if he's not a hundred percent, how does Dusty, play him how does he utilize him he's still a good hitter 
but obviously he's going to need rest. You're going to, uh, he can't play in the field as much because you're going to worry about him injuring himself. So how do you utilize one of the best young sluggers in the game? Well, I mean, you, a, a 50% Jordan Alvarez is a better hitter than a hundred percent Mauricio Dubon. Uh, and so, you know, you, you DH him and, you know, let it, let him, you know, luckily the, the Astros, you know, we, we've talked a, a couple of times this season about just how, how stacked the Astros schedule was not in terms of opponents because everyone's garbage. Uh, but, but in terms of the number of games that they've played, you know, in a row, you know, the, the, <clears throat> you know, 38 games in 38 days and stuff like that. Luckily this month there, there are, this, you know, yesterday was the second day off this week uh, for the Astros. So, so you sort of manage, you manage him there and, and DH him uh, and, and you just, you take what, whatever you can get. Alvarez, you're going to have to figure that out. You know, you know, you're not going to get Michael Brantley Jr. back, but they did make some trades at the deadline. How do you, uh, how would you rate the guys that have had to step in and provide that extra bat in the lineup uh, that the team has needed? I mean, they're they're 84 and 47. Like, you, there's not a whole lot to argue with uh, as as far as you know how they've how they've man. You know, the the fact that Presley's been on the IL a couple of times. Yeah. That, that Bregman, you know, had a had one of the worst what 50 game stretches you could possibly have and and Verlander's on the IL and uh you know you you don't have Carlos Correa and you know Mauricio again Mauricio Dubon is getting somewhat regular playing time um no they've it, it's it's gone it's gone ridiculously well uh and and so you know yeah you 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 work Mancini in there more uh you put Christian Vasquez in the in the lineup you know a little bit more you you're just right now you're just trying to get you're just getting to October Mancini, though, he's been – yeah, look, he's he's always going to be a streaky hitter, right? He's going to have a couple games where he gives, he's going to put 0 for 8. And then he's going to have a game where he's going to drive in three runs, right? That That's just kind of how he is. Uh, but, but the new additions have seemingly fit in well, and it does seem like Dusty's playing them more. Now, he may not have a choice because of the injuries, but it does seem like they're far more incorporated into the lineup and as part of the team now. Yeah, no, and and I think that's, you know, that that's also a credit to the guys that are already here. You know that that, uh, you know, for as as much as the as as Twitter and and some of the national media would would love and seemingly take every opportunity to do so to to sort of slam the Astros as the the villains of baseball, um, you know, you had you had Mancini rolling up his short sleeves ready to fight somebody. You know, it's like fourth day here, and and that's that's sort of a credit to how. Uh, you know, it, it, see, it seems as though, you know, it, it's guys like Altuve and Verlander and, and Bregman and McCullers and Guriel that are, that are, they're just good guys. And, you know, to, to go from, uh, you know, and I know the Orioles are in wildcard contention, but, you know, where you sort of been languishing since 2016 and, and the next day you get traded to the Astros and, and you're looking at, you know, it's world series or bust, you know, that, that's gotta be a pretty good feeling. So, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a credit to them. It's a credit to the team. It's um, yeah. It's 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 been a it's been a pretty good month. We're talking with James Yasko. He joins us here on RP3 and Company as we talk all things Houston Astros. Let's talk about Framer Valdez. The quality starts. Uh, I remember a time where quality start was not a stat and wasn't a thing, but it is now. 
give us a little insight here on what that exactly means and how unique and special is what Framer's done. Yeah, so a quality start six innings pitched with three or fewer earned runs. Um, you know, and, and it's it's you can you can argue about you know, and and usually it's at this point where where somebody, probably a Cardinals fan, is like Bob Gibson wouldn't be happy with six innings and three earned runs. Like, okay, we get it. Like, fine. Um, but that I mean, if, if you've if you've gone six, you know, you've made it through the lineup you know, probably, you know, at least twice, twice. You know, yeah. Per- perfectly. Uh, and you've given your team a chance to win. And and that that's, that's a quality start. And you're not saying it's the best start ever. Uh, but what, what Framber Valdez has done is set the franchise record for most consecutive quality starts. You know, it was at Mike Scott's record, I think from 1986, um, you know, Ver- Verlander hasn't, hasn't put strung together this many quality starts in a row. Uh, Garrett Cole didn't do it. You know, it was Charlie Morton didn't do it. So it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's impressive is what it is. He's really blossomed this season more than in years past. Why? What, what's, what's been the big change in what he does when he's up on the bump than maybe he wasn't doing in years past? I think it's his, it's his mental approach to it. Uh, you know, it feels like Valdez has been around forever. And and I remember saying on this show that you never know if you're going to get frambushed or you're going to get framboozled. And, <laughs> and I remember. <laughs> he would, you'd see an inning where he'd give up a hit and then walk a guy, and then you'd see him get frustrated, and then you look up and it's 4 nothing. Uh, he He's not doing these. He's, he's able to kind of shake that off and just make the next pitch and then make the next pitch. So I think what we're, I think his stuff has always been there. Uh, you know, he's not, it's not like he's, he was throwing in the low nineties and then suddenly he came back and he's throwing 99, 100. Like it's, he's the same, it's the same pitches. It's, it's his mental approach to the game that's changed. Speaking of mental approach to the game, the entire pitching staff seems to have, I don't know, just kind of a locked in approach when it comes to pitching this year in particular, whether it's McCullers coming back like he has and's looked looked pretty good or Jose Arquiti looking really good and even Christian Javier who's had an up and down year uh, what's been the difference maker there with this staff where it's really kind of from top to bottom you could argue the deepest rotation in baseball it wasn't that way last year yet this year it is yeah I don't I mean you could you could say it's a couple of things you know it's um and you can't you know, there, there's a new pitching coach, you know, the, the Brent Strom, who, who is an absolute legend and belongs in the Astros hall of fame, you know, when, when that day comes, um, you know, sort of, sort of set the, the culture for the rotation and, and you do have some longevity uh, in the rotation. Verlander has gone on the record to say that he's more uh, engaged with, with the rest of the team uh, this year than, than in the past. So I, th- I think, you know, you, no one's really fighting for their job. Uh, everyone feels pretty comfortable in the role that they're in. And, and you've got, you've got some veteran leadership in the, in the clubhouse. And I think all of that has combined to, to sort of make everyone feel, you know, a little bit more comfortable. The bullpen had a rough August, right? I think we can admit to that. They uh, did not rise to the occasion, but, you know, I saw him pitch the other night to wrap up the month and, 
four innings, four different pitchers, only two hits, no runs, and each pitcher threw, uh, each pitcher recorded a strikeout. I'm not saying that's an indicator of what's to come, but you and I have talked about the bullpen, the ebbs and flows of the season. They're going to have a rough patch. Do you believe that the rough patch of the season's behind the Astros bullpen? I do, given the 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 days off. Um, and, you know, and again, when we're talking about 38 games in 38 days, like you, you can't throw somebody 38 days in a row. Uh, you've got to build in, you've, you know, you've got to build in some rest days and, and recovery time. And when you, when you're playing that, that many games, then you're, you're going to have to turn to the part of the bullpen that you don't normally turn to. Um, and so I, I think with, with the, the rest that's, that's incorporated into the schedule, uh, I think September is going to be a, a, an awful lot, an awful lot better than than August was. Verlander having the injury. Does this change how Dusty utilizes him down the stretch? Because you and I have floated the idea that they may limit his innings anyway before he got injured, because you're going to need the ace for a playoff run, for a World Series run. You're going to need him to eat up innings in the postseason. You don't want to burn them out on worthless September games. Now that he's got the calf discomfort, nothing serious, but he's on the IL, do you believe Dusty Baker being the veteran guy that he is, is gonna they're going to regulate Verlander's time in September? Well, you've, you've automatically, by putting him on the IL, you, you're skipping, you know, what, two starts? Two, maybe uh, three, yeah maybe three. So for, for Verlander, that's, that's, if it's two or three starts, you know, you're looking at anywhere between, you know, 12 to 20 innings that, that you're saving um, by, by putting him by, you know, by sort of mandating this, this sort of off period, uh, which I think, I think is smart. And, you know, the, the good thing is that it is the calf. It's not, it's not a shoulder. It's not an elbow. It's not the dreaded forearm uh, discomfort. Um and so, you know, I, I think that this is the, the way that that they're managing Verlander's workload to gear up for an October run. Uh, the question is, uh, is the discomfort, you know, when the Astros say discomfort, you know, it's like looking at WebMD. Like if you if you if you search Web, like, why am I coughing? Then WebMD is going to tell you you'll be dead by morning. You have so tuberculosis. That's, that's sort of. We, yeah, you're you have some crazy 17th century disease and, and get get your affairs in order. So if if if, if it really is just like ah, his, he tweaks something in his calf, then then cool. If it's his leg has to be amputated because the Astros said discomfort, then that's obviously a different thing. It doesn't seem that serious. Uh, so so I think I think the IL stint is the managing the innings to gear up for October. One more before we let you go. Verlander now on the IL. They, they've called up a couple of great prospects. We're finally going to get to see Brown. You believe we're going to see him in a bullpen role, correct? And with Ver, Verlander on the IL, this also allows McCullers and some of the other guys to even get more reps to get prepared for the postseason. Yeah, I think Brown will be in the in the bullpen. Um, there's just not, you know, even with Verlander out, you know, you've got Javier who pitched very well. Uh, what was it, Wednesday? Um and so, you know, Brown has already thrown a career high in innings. You know, even even before coming to Houston, he was he was up over his career high. So, you know, you put him in the bullpen. He's got he's got that absolutely electric fastball. He's got a wipeout curveball. Um, 
you know, and, and, and there's not going to be a spot for him in, in a playoff series rotation. So putting him in the bullpen and letting him kind of get some looks there. And, you know, with the Astros piggybacking, you know, minor league pitchers, he's, he's come in in the middle of a game before like this season. So I don't think it's going to be too much of a stretch for him to do it. Uh, and, and it's a way to, you know, you, you protect his arm in what's already been the highest volume season of his career. And what do you make of the other prospect they're calling up? Diaz? No, I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to see him. You know, it's, we, we've, you know, if you follow the Astros on, on Twitter or, or any of the minor league, you know, affiliates, then, you know, it seems like every other day there's some 450 foot home run that Diaz has hit. And, and so, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, this is what I, 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 I'm, I have mixed feelings about sh- about shortening the expanded rosters from 40 to 28, um, but but I'm I'm excited to see both Brown and Diaz. James, thank you for your time. Sorry, we did not have more time to talk about soccer. Hopefully, that'll happen next week, bud. Yeah, no, I mean it's a good idea to kind of let the dust settle from the transfer deadline, uh, the transfer window closing yesterday. So, no, I, I appreciate you letting me get my get my thoughts in order. <laughs> Have a great weekend, bud. We'll talk to you next Friday. Happy footballing. Happy footballing, he says. That's James Yasko of the Lehman Time Time podcast, and co- uh, he's the co-host of that. He's also a contributor for the Houston Chronicle, joining us here on RP3 and Company. Hey, speaking of those Astros. Time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Astros live in person. You got to go register in the Game Rewards Club right now to have a chance to win yourself four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa Bay on Saturday, October the 1st. We're even going to throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. This is the last final Astros weekend giveaway of the regular season there won't be another one so if you haven't seen the strohs in person yet now's the time to take advantage now's the time to register in the clubhouse so you can score yourself some tickets astro weekend getaways are powered by butcher ac love meridian houston downtown and the game southwest louisiana sports station we got to take a timeout. we'll update the poll question of the day and more next here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Oh, didn't get your tickets to LSU season opener against Florida State in the Superdome? Not to worry, Tiger fans. I know it's sold out, but here's the thing. You can still have a great time by coming out to Twin Peaks on Johnston Street this Sunday from 6 to 8. Because here's the deal. You can enjoy ice-cold, teeth-chattering adult beverages, burgers, appetizers galore and hang out with crunch time host matt miguez that's right it's a game lsu watch party at twin peaks on johnson street once again this sunday six to eight come out hang out with matt watch lsu take on florida state on the big screens there inside of twin peaks y'all have a great time plus 
Matthew will have some swag to give away, maybe some koozies, some shirts. That way you can be rocking the game swag. Once again, it's the game's LSU watch party at Twin Peaks on Johnson Street this Sunday night. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Let's check in on all the poll question of the day. We asked you, who has the best chance of winning their season opener? It's our poll question of the day. Is it the Louisiana Raging Cajuns taking on Southeastern Louisiana Lions at Cajun Field Saturday night? Is it the LSU Tigers taking on Florida State Seminoles inside the Superdome Sunday night? Is it McNeese taking on Montana State up in Bozeman on Saturday night? We asked you. Let's get to some comments on Facebook. Justin on Facebook says, Raging Cajuns, and he threw up the UL. He threw up the UL. It's a very popular thing to do this morning. Somebody else did it here inside the studio. Nick says the Raging Cajuns. And Robert Duplachan on Facebook says Tigers. He spelled out Tigers and then he, he got with the emojis. I tried to do Robert justice there. I hope I did so. <laughs> uh, the results of the poll question of the day. Who has the best chance to win their season opener? Right now, 64% of you say the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. 34% say the LSU Tigers. And 2% say the McNeese State Cowboys. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well. You just got to make sure to leave them on Facebook and Twitter. And you know what? Don't get crazy with it. Don't get sideways. Don't get inappropriate. Just be you. Just be you and just chill out. It's Labor Day weekend. It's a holiday weekend. Let's let's kick it off the right way. Darren says, just check the spread on each game. And he goes, hashtag Cajuns. Number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company. Our guy, Darren. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and company... We're going to look to those three games. I'm going to give you my thoughts on those matchups for LSU, for UL, for McNeese. Big weekend of college football for us here at the station. And we'll talk about a new business venture involving my daughter and the staff here at the game because she's got big ideas. I'm going to share that with you next. Right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on On the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The wait is almost over. New football season is about to begin and you can get ready for NFL week one action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game, and you can get $200 in free bets instantly. 
Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up by seven, you win. Let me explain. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. You must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only, though. Bonus issued as a free bet. One early token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions do apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you got a gambling problem or if you know someone who does, call one 770 stop Woo! Keep those votes coming for the poll question of the day. Who do you like to win this weekend? Their season opener. <clears throat> and we're going to dive into that here on RP3 and Company. Of the three teams, the one I like to win the most are the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I know there's question marks about this team. There's question marks about whether or not Coach Dez is going to keep this well-old machine running on all cylinders. Are they going to win 13 games this year? No. They may not even win double-digit games. But remember, Billy didn't win double-digit games his first year either. And there's a lot of missing players, right? Levi Lewis, his leadership, his calm is gone. They lost two of their three leading running backs, transfer portal. They lost multiple offensive linemen, one to the NFL draft, one to the transfer portal who's now at Florida, two more graduated. Defensively, they lost playmakers as well. One's at LSU playing in the secondary. A couple others have left. But all in all, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns are still a very good football team. They have the country's longest winning streak, and that will continue after Saturday night. It may not be a pretty game. Usually the first games aren't. Usually they're kind of, let's be honest, a little ugly. But Chandler Fields has been in the system for a couple years. You still have Chris Smith at running back. They like the other guys behind him. They have faith in their offensive line. They have studs in the wide receiving core, and they're going to be led by their defense. You got Zion Hill. I know Trey Elmos is not going to play Saturday because he's still recovering from his injury, but they still got Braylon Trahan and others. I expect the Cajuns to win Saturday night. I don't know by how much. It may look a little ugly at times, but let's be honest, there were more than a handful of games throughout Billy Napier's tenure that the Cajuns did not look great in wins. They won some ugly games. I expect the Cajuns to win. I expect the Cajuns to win by double digits. It may not be the prettiest game, but there will be a victory at Cajun Field Saturday night for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. For LSU, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because they have more question marks. Probably going to be the Arizona State transfer at quarterback. 
Noah Kane's going to be the leading running back, and they have a slew of wide receivers, most of them from the 3-3-7. Jack Besh, Malik Neighbors, Kayshawn Butte. They have a distinct advantage. If you watched Florida State at all against Duquesne, who, yes, that is a actual football team, LSU's going to have an advantage with their wide receiving core against Florida State's DBs. LSU's going to have an advantage with its veteran NFL-laden defensive line against Florida State's offensive line. And yes, the Seminoles had three different 100-yard rushers in that opener, but you're not going up against Duquesne. You're going up against LSU. LSU, with the exception of the national championship game against Alabama, they never lose in the Superdome. Never. Not for Sugar Bowls, not for games. They just don't. The point spread is three. I think this is going to be a game where you're going to have some moments. I think the quarterback for LSU, whoever it may be, may have some missteps. I think Florida State may be able to run the ball, but I don't believe in their quarterback and their wide receivers, even with a revamped all-new secondary for LSU. I like LSU to win. I like LSU to cover the spread of three points. It may not be a double-digit victory, but it's going to be close. I like the Tigers to win Sunday night. As for McNeese, they're up against it here. Montana State played for the national championship in FCS a year ago. They're ranked in the top five in most polls for the FCS. They have a dynamic playmaking quarterback. Yes, they have an offensive lineman that's in the NFL. They have other playmakers that are no longer there that are on NFL rosters from a year ago. But McNeese is having to make the cross-country trip to Bozeman, Montana. They're going to be playing two quarterbacks. It's a reshuffled offensive line. It's a reshuffled defense, a reshuffled secondary, and a coach in his first game for a program that's been down back-to-back losing seasons, having playing two of those a year ago. More than 50 new players on the roster. McNeese is more than likely going to lose this game. I like Montana State to win this game. You're going to be looking for positives, though, for McNeese with the air raid offense. Can they move the ball? You're going to want to look for things that can build upon. Once again, this is a transitional season for the Cowboys. It's an immensely difficult challenge to take on a top-five-ranked team on the road across the country when you're rebuilding. McNeese is more than likely going to lose, but how they lose is going to be important for what Gary Goff's going to be able to do this season. So those are my thoughts on our three games. I got to bring something to the attention of our listeners. I got to bring something to the attention of producer extraordinaire Hannah Five Names. Yesterday, last night, I'm sitting at my house with my my lovely family. My wife, Tina, and my tremendous daughter, Hattie Elise Parch. Shout out to HP1. When it gets brought to my attention that while I was gone doing a little shopping in the afternoon, going to the store, taking care of some business, I come back and my daughter has come up with a new game plan for our life, a game changer, if you will. 
Inspired by the show Good Bones, we like watching home improvement shows at our house, courtesy of HDTV, courtesy of Discovery Plus streaming service. We like the ladies, the mother-daughter team from Indianapolis. So the daughter has came up with the game plan that we need to go into that line of work, that daddy is going to be in charge of demolition, which I do like to demolish things when it comes to home improvement. Yes, I love swinging a hammer. That mommy will be the planner. She will draw out the plans. She will be like the lead, the project leader, if you will. It will be her vision of what the flipping houses will look like. So the daughter wants us to start flipping houses. Mom's in charge of the flipping, the project manager, if you will. I'm in charge of demolition. Hattie's going to be in charge of interior design. She's already told us that she will decorate said houses to sell. And that the people that work with daddy will be in charge of the construction crew, that you will be all part of the construction crew. So she said, Mr. James can help you with the building things. Mr. Matt can help you with building things. And Miss Hannah can help you with building things. I said, well, time out. I go, Miss Hannah is very artistic. She likes doing things that way. And she goes, okay, Miss Hannah can help mommy and me. So new project moving forward is apparently the Parch family is going to start our own flipping company. We're going to be flipping houses. And everyone that works for the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, is now going to be part of this venture. I mean, <laughs> it's a great plan. Yes. Where the funds will come from to flip the houses and to buy them to order to flip them. And to pay I have no idea. all of the people that are going to be involved. Yeah. Yes, yes. But uh, Baby Girl's got, got uh, grand plans uh, for us and for the station. So, I mean, she thought out really hard. Like, it's just really well planned out, I feel like. I mean, I'm not sure where the financial part is. Can you imagine James with a hammer in his hand? <laughs> he would ask how to use the hammer. And then when you tell him, he'll use it for a couple minutes, and then he'll go, wait, how do I use this again? He'll forget how to use it again. I need to check on my fantasy football team. It'll be uh, yes. many, many breaks of that. Mm -hmm. And and then there'll, there'll be breaks of Miguez being very animated, complaining about something that happened during the day on Twitter. Yes. I'll have fun. I'll be hanging out with Hattie and Tina. So I'm set. <laughs> You're on the struggle bus. <laughs> so there you go. The Parch family is going to get into the house flipping business. The wife is going to run points. I'm apparently so handy with the tools myself that my daughter believes <laughs> that I need to be in charge of the construction. I was like, well, how about if I do demolition? What if, you know, daddy talks on the radio. What if I handle the marketing, what if I handle promoting and like hosting the show about our house flipping business? And she goes, she, she did a moment. She kind of put her finger to her face and she went, okay, yeah, I like that. I like that. So I'll be doing dual. I'll be doing demolition and essentially serving as the host for this show. You, I took you off the construction team. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. And you'll be part of the design and everything like that with Hattie. But Hattie's running point on the interior design okay, of these homes. It. Yeah. And Eight-year-old leading, leading the 24-year-old. Makes sense. Yes. And Miguez, Mesh, Dylan, who she made sure to mention because she always loves hanging out with Dylan. 
uh, Dylan and Clint, they will all be part of the demolition and construction team for Parch Properties. Coming to a television station soon. Here you. <laughs> there we go. Just wanted to share that. and Just wanted to let you know that you got that on your plate coming up sometime in possibly 2023. <laughs> the girl's ambitious. She doesn't get that from me. She gets that from her mama, by the way. <laughs> the big plans, the big ideas. Mama is the big idea person. Daddy is the type of person that sits there and goes, are we sure? Are we sure we shouldn't do that and just sit here in the recliner? My wife is the go-getter, the ambitious one. Our daughter takes after her, and I'm glad that she does. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number two here on this Labor Day weekend edition of RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's right. Listen up, fellas, because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress, Bayou Mouth Watering Steaks, Great Sides, Adult beverages even have a cigar room if you and your lady want to take part in that. You're going to have a tremendous time. Your lady's going to be impressed. But it's not only that that's in our rewards club, the $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. There's also a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill. There's also a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score those great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Help us help you with your date night blues. Go sign up today. Check in on the poll question of the day. We asked you who has the better chance of winning their season opener. Who has the best chance, if you will, of winning their season opener? Once again, Louisiana Raging Cajuns are at home Saturday night against Southeastern Louisiana Alliance. LSU's taking on Florida State inside the Caesar Superdome Sunday night. And the McNeese Cowboys are traveling up to Bozeman, Montana to take on Montana State Saturday night. So we asked you who has the best chance to win their season opener. Right now, 57% of you say the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. 41% say the LSU Tigers. Some votes come in that way for the Purple and Gold. 2% say McNeese Cowboys. Get to some more comments here on the poll question of the day. Let's see here. Nope. No new poll. No new comments to get to. But I'll say it again. I do like love UL's chances it may not look the prettiest but I think they're going to win by double digits LSU I think it's going to be close to double digits I really do it may surpass double digits because we just don't know there's a lot of question marks there but I just like LSU's matchup they're wide receivers versus Florida State's DBs that's a huge advantage for LSU the other advantage is LSU's D-line against Florida State's offensive line what could make this game close closer than it should be is if the re- vamped offensive line for LSU isn't as good as advertised. If they struggle and they turn over the ball a few times, that could be what changes this game. And then I just think McNeese has such a difficult, difficult 
thing in front of them. They just do. First game of a new coach playing a team that played for a national championship. It's just immensely difficult. So we'll see. And I don't know about you. Salty Steve brought this up to me, and people have brought this up to me before. We talk about these openers. How great would it be if LSU played UL in football? I, I, I get it. it for the the longstanding has been from LSU not to play UL in football. They, they don't even acknowledge it. It's not even a thing that they even want to consider. Even when Billy had them playing extremely well, it, it did not get on their radar. They don't care. They will play UL in baseball, softball all day long. They'll play him in women's basketball. Not men's basketball, but maybe that'll change now that Will Wade's gone. But how great of an experience would be for folks on both sides of the basin? I just, yeah, you would favor LSU in that, sure, all day long. But why not do it? It just seems silly to me. If you're going to play like teams like Mercer and, you know, you're playing, you know, South, you know, all these other teams, why not play UL? It just needs to get done. And I've been told numerous times it doesn't get done because it's an LSU thing for it not to be done. Maybe that'll change. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three. We'll kick it off with Jesse Coger of Plant the Spear. Going to talk Florida State LSU. That's next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three has arrived here in RP3 and Company on this Labor Day weekend edition of the show. I am your host, big, bald, and beautiful, joined here by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. We've had a great show so far. We've talked a lot about the Houston Astros gearing up for their weekend series and where they stand right now as the calendars turn to September. Best team in the American League, despite the injuries. We've touched base on the NFL we've touched base on college football huge weekend for college football and we have also made sure to unveil the ambitious plans of my soon-to-be eight-year-old daughter who inspired by watching good bones we're big good bones fan in the uh at the parch household she wants uh our family to begin flipping houses and then incorporate everyone on staff here at the game to be part of said project that she hopes will be televised. She's seven, about to be eight, and already thinking, hey, how can I have my own home-flipping reality show? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Not for sure. Poll question of the day, you have to vote on that. I need your votes. I need your comments. Facebook and Twitter. I need to hear from you. Who's got the best chance of winning their season opener? Is it the Louisiana Raging Cajuns who are going to be taking on Southeastern Louisiana Saturday night at Cajun Field? Is it the McNeese 
Cowboys who head up to Montana State to take on a team that played for the national championship a year ago? Or is it the LSU Tigers taking on Florida State inside the Caesars Superdome Sunday night? I'll be there for the game on Sunday night reporting for the station. And our next guest will be there as well. It's time for us to preview LSU Florida State with the man who runs, writes for, and does everything for Plant the Spear, a website all about Florida State Seminoles, making his RP3 and company debut. Jesse Coger joins us. Jesse, good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning. I am great. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, got the first leg of the trip out of the way yesterday. A long time in a car. <laughs> I don't, I'm only about an hour and a half out of New Orleans now. So just kind of ready to get into the city and, and get into the environment. You know, this is this is really what college football is about, these kind of games like this. And Florida State had a week zero game, but, you know, anytime you play Duquesne or something like that, it just really doesn't get your blood going. Uh, but this kind of matchup to sell out, it's a lot of big games this weekend. I'm just – I'm excited for it. This is This is what we wait for. So – I'm doing great, and I, again, I appreciate you having me on the show. Appreciate you making the time for us, Jesse. So let's get right to it. Let's talk about Duquesne because I didn't even realize they had a football program until like three weeks ago. So it's it's one of those games, right? But what kind of advantage does that give Florida State and coach Mike Norville to have his team line up against another team, live competition, how much of an advantage do you think that gives the Seminoles heading into this game with LSU? Well, I think really when you look at the, at the Duquesne game, first off, Florida State hasn't won a season opener since 2016 when they had a comeback win over Ole Miss. Oh. So if nothing else, it just gives you a good feeling. I mean, it's it's so tough to be a fan of a team like Florida State, and you're basically kind of out of the national picture by mid-September every single year. So it does feel good to at least get some momentum going into week two. Of course, there's not a whole lot you can learn from playing a team like Duquesne, although even though Ohio, not Ohio State, obviously, but Ohio wasn't that great last year. Duquesne actually upset FBS Ohio last year, so they are maybe a scrappy little team. Uh, but Florida State handled it like they should have. A 40-point win is expected, and I think Florida State in that game had really not a whole lot to gain but a lot to lose because if it had turned out like last year's Jacksonville State game I mean we probably would have been had the pitchforks out by now but really I think it's just taking live bullets in a game with a bunch of new guys you know uh you look at the receiver room it's very very transfer heavy you got Trey Benson who's a transfer at running back you got a lot of offensive linemen who are transfers so I think it just gives you an opportunity to shake the rust off, kind of go through some of the calls. And they also have Alex Atkins, who is now the offensive coordinator in his first season. So you get that little that chance for him and Norvell, which Norvell's calling plays now uh, this year. So they just get a chance to kind of work together for a game. Uh, but, you know, you don't learn a whole lot. And they really didn't show almost anything. They ran such a vanilla game plan that there wasn't a whole lot that even looking at it and watching it that, we could learn. Now, there was a few takeaways. I, I definitely think the running game, uh, you know, of course, couching it against Duquesne was a lot better than expected. And the offensive line, when I went back and watched the film, I had some concerns. There was a little more penetration. 
uh, through the offensive line that I, than I was comfortable with, especially knowing that you got a defensive line like uh, LSU has coming up. So that was that was a little concerning. But overall, there was, some, there was a lot of guys out, too. At one point, they had a walk-on center playing uh, fourth string because of the injuries, and they weren't really taking any chances. So there's not a whole lot we could learn. But I, I think it gives as much of an advantage as – you know, maybe LSU not having a game so they don't put anything on film. So it's probably a wash when you look at a game like that. But I do I do like it. I do like that they played it just to have a chance to get in rhythm. How hot is the seat that Norville's on this year? Well, I think people from the outside looking in instead of vice versa kind of maybe don't understand the level of where the program was at when he took over. Obviously, you know, at the end of the Jimbo Fisher area or era, the train was kind of – it was coming off the tracks. And then you had Willie Taggart who kind of crashed the, the program into the side of a mountain, and there was just so many issues. And then he came in for a COVID year where you're trying to teach everything over Zoom. You can't visit your recruits um, in person. So I think he kind of got a pass for 2020. And I think 2021 was obviously very disappointing with the Jacksonville State loss. They did finish the season five and three, which was positive. But at a at a place like Florida State, as you would at LSU, you have a standard that you have to live up to, and he knows that. And so, if he doesn't get back to that standard, of I mean, it sounds terrible to say, but get a winning season, get a bowl game. That's not your expectations in Tallahassee, but that's where he has to get. So I think the seat is warm. I wouldn't exactly say hot. Uh, I want to say he still has a pretty big buyout right now, so that could be an obstacle. Uh, Florida State did hire a new athletic director who is about his business, not so much like the last guy, so he could make a change. Um, you know. But I think he needs to produce on the field. You have to start stacking some wins. But when you look at the bones of the program – Everything is so much better than it was two years ago. Everybody's pulling in the right direction. Everybody's on the same team. The culture has been flipped. He's been successful in the portal. Really, recruiting and the win column is the one area he's still kind of lacking. So I think at the end of this year, if he has just an absolute bomb of a season, you know, three and nine, four and eight, I think he's gone. I think if he has something like five and seven, six and six, maybe, he's going to have to make some coaching changes to save his job. And then you may move into a lame duck situation at head coach, which is never good. Uh, but I think if he can just get seven and five, eight and four, make a bowl game, tread some water, get you another year, get some momentum in recruiting, I think he'll be fine. Norvell's a little, he's a good coach. It's just he inherited a really uh, bad situation. And I always tell people that I don't think Tallahassee is necessarily the uh, Bermuda Triangle of coaching. I don't think he just forgot how to coach because he ended up there. So, but he's got to he's got to show it on the field. Uh, I'll be 44 in a few weeks, Jesse. So to see Florida State be essentially irrelevant the last handful of years is a little still shocking to me because growing up they were always the standard, right? And Jimbo right. ran the program into the ground. Let's call it like it is. Okay, he set it on yep. fire and left. Willie Taggart just threw gasoline on it. And made it worse. So Mike's That's got putting it kindly. <laughs> yes, putting it kindly. Mike has his work cut out for him. How much pressure, though, is there going to be? You mentioned recruiting. I'm glad you did. Billy Napier, who we know very well, is a masterful recruiter. 
He's now at Florida. He has been tabbed to turn that program around. Cristobal is now down at Miami, and he's killing it in the transfer portal with NIL deals. So now you got two new coaches at your rivals that are known for their ability to recruit. How important is it for Norvell to be able to recruit and do so during the season as well? Yeah, I think it's huge because obviously we know at the end of the day, it's really, I mean, it all boils down to your dudes. You know, you can have the greatest game plan in the world. And obviously you can see that a team with less talent, you know, a la Jacksonville State can come in and beat a team with more talent like Florida State. And so I definitely think that it has to pick up and it is heightened now that you have some new staffs in the state of Florida who really, I mean, they have a good recruiting prowess, like you said. One of the things that I think is kind of keeping Norvell in place, too, is Alex Atkins. And if you know anything about Florida State, then you know that really our Achilles heel has been our offensive line since probably about 2015. And so he has been the main recruiter. Like, he is the guy on the staff that is actually going out and pulling his weight on the recruiting trail. And you would really hate to lose that because he has some guys intact now that if you can keep this whole thing together – Florida State could have a surprisingly good offensive line in about three to four years once the young guys uh, mature a little bit. So I think Florida State – the thing about Florida State, too, is they are able to kind of patch things through the transfer portal, which has been good, but you obviously don't want to build your program around transfers, especially guys that only come in with one year to, to play, like Jermaine Johnson. Man, it would have been great to have him for two more years or so, but they – they have the number two class in 247 sports rankings currently in 2024. So they still have some guys. They're able to actually get a lot of recruits on campus. It's just when you when you look at a game like the Notre Dame game last season and you had a, guy, a lot of guys present for that, it was probably even despite a loss in overtime, they were probably like, oh, you know, he's got this thing kind of moving in the right direction. And then you shoot yourself in the foot the next week against Jacksonville State and no one wants to come play for a team that's going to drop an FCS game at home. So it's Winning, I think, really with Florida State and the brand and where you're at in the in Florida, I really think that if Norvell can just put together a seven and five, eight and four season that looks good, no blowouts, no embarrassing losses, and and stuff like that, then I think the recruiting will eventually kind of get rolling. They just have lacked the success on the field. Every every recruit who comes in talks about they do like the atmosphere, they like the family. Uh, feeling of it and and Norvell is very uh, efficient and he's very put together behind the scenes but everybody wants success and Florida State has just had a lack of it so they have to win but uh, one thing is when you look at a lot of the high profile recruits in the state of Florida Florida State's not exactly losing them to those two schools they're going to the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Georgias so realistically I think all three programs have to focus on putting a fence around the state like it, like they used to have. But really, I really think it starts with success on the field. And in my personal opinion, there are a few changes that need to happen on the staff for guys who just aren't pulling their weight as recruiters. Um, and one thing I'll touch on, what you were talking about uh, to open the, the question was, yes, it, this is a very hard place for Florida State to be. 40 straight years of winning seasons, 40 years without a bowl game, and to fall to irrelevancy so fast. And it's like I always tell people, I watched us in 2013 win the national championship. I was out at the Rose Bowl and everything. 
And then last year I sat row one behind Jacksonville State's bench for the lowest point in program history. So it's been a, a very rapid roller coaster ride downhill, and I'm sure ready for the uphill part again. Wrapping up our conversation with Jesse Coger, he joins us here from Plant the Spear, talking Florida State football. They'll be taking on LSU, obviously, Sunday night inside the Caesar Superdome. All right, give me your key to victory for Florida State. Um, I, look, I, on paper, I like LSU's D-line versus the Florida State O-line, and I also like LSU's wide receivers against those Florida State DBs, but the Seminoles do have talent. What's it going to take for Florida State to take down LSU Sunday night in New Orleans? Well, I think you, and you are correct. I worry about that defensive line, and I do worry about their receivers. I think it's going to be a problem for Florida State. Like I said, in the Duquesne game, there was more penetration by an FCS team than I was comfortable with. And, I mean, LSU could very well feast on that offensive line. You got three guys up front for LSU who last year had 13 sacks and 106 pressures. I mean, that's, that's pretty re- impressive. Uh, so, but it was game one. They didn't really show anything. So I do think that the offensive line, you know, they say you have the most improvement between week one and week two. So hopefully that pans out. And they will do some game planning around it. Norvell is pretty good about scheming people into one-on-ones. They have some more playmakers this year. I think when you look at receiver, last year they had one of the, if not the worst receiving group in the ACC, uh, probably in Power 5. So that has completely flipped this year. You have a lot of guys with more potential necessarily than production. So I think that you still got to see it on the field, but you have size now. You have a lot of guys who are 6'2", 6'4". You've got Johnny Wilson who's 6'7". So that's going to help. You have three backs that you feel good about. I think Florida State's going to try to establish the run to open up the pass because you do have some questions in the LSU secondary. They have some good players. They just have never played together on a field um, at the same time. So I think they could maybe find some advantages there. Uh, I think if they can block LSU, I like their chances. But you also have to consider LSU has some some questions up front of their own. Um, I'm not particularly sold on Jaden Daniels as a quarterback. He has a, a sub-50% downfield passing completion percentage so they're probably but you know if you can get some crossing routes to uh Boutte, i hope i'm saying that right um i mean he could easily break one the secondary is not top tier for florida state but they do have first team all acc jamie robinson who i like he'll come in the box to try and help out a little bit too um amarion cooper is back he was out for the duquesne game he's projects to be an nfl guy but there are still some questions so uh, Tatum Bethune transferred from UCF. He was a 100-plus tackler last year, and you could see his impact last week. But I really think it's going to be, and this is going to sound kind of backwards with the receivers that you have, you're going to have to force Jaden Daniels to be able to hit them to win the game. So to me, if you're Florida State, you stop the run because obviously LSU had uh, John Emery Jr. suspended, so they're they're kind of putting pieces together. Uh, so I think if they can make LSU pass, which I believe is going to be the same game plan. It's, it's weird. They almost have the same game plan. You have similar quarterbacks, similar offensive line issues. Uh, you have good wide receiver size, but LSU's more talented. So I think Florida State just needs to try and focus on containing those receivers, and hopefully they can get the ground game going. Uh, LSU does have a, a new kicker, true freshman, I believe, so that could be something to watch. And I, I did tell people, I said, if this game was in November, I would probably lean towards LSU once they get time to fill out the roster and once they get time for Brian Kelly to do some things. 
to me, in my opinion, just being game one under new offense, new defense, so many transfers, so many new faces, and Florida State getting that week zero game just to get a little bit of rhythm, I'm going advantage Seminoles in this particular you're just catching them at the right time. Of course, I still personally have a hard time trusting Florida State on the big stage until they prove that they're ready to win these type of games. So I surely wouldn't put any money on it, but I'm still I'm gonna go I'm gonna lean Florida State just because it's game one. Jesse, appreciate your time, man. Enjoy the game. I'll see you there Sunday night, bud up in the press box. And we'll talk to you soon, man. We'll have you back on because obviously the Cajuns played the Seminoles in Tallahassee this year. So we'll definitely have you back on, brother. Yes, sir. I sure appreciate it. And I look forward to that one as well. Thank you for having me on and have a good one. And uh, hopefully, if nothing else, we just get treated to a really awesome college football game and, and an awesome atmosphere. There you go, brother. There you go. That's Jesse Coger joining us from Plant the Spear, giving us some insight there with the Florida State program. Once again, Florida State takes on LSU. Sunday night in the Caesars Superdome, sold out. And I know many of you didn't get tickets to watch the opener, but not to worry, Tiger fans. You can still have a great time by coming out to Twin Peaks on Johnston Street this Sunday from 6 to 8. You can enjoy the teeth-chattering adult beverages on tap, burgers, appetizers, and more, and hang out with Crunch Time host Matt Miguez. It's the Games LSU Watch Party at Twin Peaks on Johnston this Sunday night from 6 to 8. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. we got to take a time out when we return. Fantasy football talk with our guy, former RP3 and company league champion, Zach Miller will join us next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Fantasy football season has arrived. Many people made the mistake of uh, holding their drafts a couple weeks ago. And then injuries happened. (laughs) I've been burned too many times. When I've been playing fantasy football now for 20 years, I always, always make sure to have my draft after preseason is done. The the last week of preseason. Because you never do know who's going to get cut. You never do know who's going to have an inexplicable injury that is going to crush your team. To help you with all of your fantasy football draft needs, a man who's a former RP3 and company fantasy football league champion, our go-to expert for all things fantasy, Zach Miller, joins us now. Zach, good morning to you, bud. How are you? Good morning, man. I'm doing great. All right, so we're holding our draft Tuesday night live online. Uh, No preseason week four this year, which actually helps things for your fantasy teams, right? Because you don't have to worry about that final game and there's some time to rest and get your drafts in before the start of the season. So let's go there. What approach should you take in, say, a 12-team league? Should you be focusing early on on running back still? Or we pass the point of that and you should just be focusing on quarterbacks who are scoring a bazillion points these days yeah so what i'd say in that situation is you you have to know your your particular league scoring settings you, you mentioned the 12 team league 
in a 12-team league, you can you can still technically wait on quarterback. You can be one of the last three guys to a quarterback and still end up with a top 10, 11, 12 quarterback. And week in and week out, there's not going to be a whole lot of point differential between one and two guys as the nine and 10 guys. And it never fails. Every year you have a guy like, say, a Josh Allen who broke out a couple of years ago, who was the 13th quarterback off the board on most leagues. Jalen Hurts was drafted outside of the top 10 last year but finished number six. So, yeah, if you want to get one of those top 10 guys so you don't have to roll the dice and hope you you hit somebody who just so happens to land in the top 10, by all means you can do that. But I, I'd still say unless you're in a two-quarterback league or a super flex league, there's really no rush to get one of those top three to four guys because those guys around 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, you know, there's really not a whole lot of difference from week to week. Give me your top five quarterbacks to draft for fantasy football. Okay, so going off of our league settings uh, where passing touchdowns are worth as much as rushing touchdowns, that elevates quarterbacks um, that throw for a lot of touchdowns and, to me, kind of makes guys like Lamar Jackson a little less valuable. So, I mean, you're going to have your Josh Allen, your Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, um, Kyler Murray, and probably Joe Burrow in that five range. But if we're doing a more traditional league where you have four or five points for passing touchdowns, Lamar Jackson would definitely be in that top five. Running back, who are the top five running backs that, that you should be? If you have a top five pick or top ten pick and you have an opportunity to draft a running back, who's in the top five? So if we're talking PPR, um, you're going to have Jonathan Taylor. You have Christian McCaffrey. Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry uh, in no particular order. But those still, top five come to mind. Still Christian McCaffrey, even though he has been banged up now two-plus years. You'd still take him in the top five. It's risk versus reward. And when he's healthy, uh, every running back has injury risk. Uh, when he's healthy, he's the most dynamic running back in the league. And he's a league winner, assuming he's healthy. Um, that's a big assumption. But, you know, like I said, any one of those running backs I just named – could have an injury. Christian McCaffrey didn't have an injury history before he did. So just because Jonathan Taylor hasn't had any injuries yet doesn't mean this won't be the year that he starts on that trend. So um, you can't you can't draft scared, man. Uh, and like I said, when he's healthy, he's a league winner. You can't drive. You can't draft scared. You're right. But I don't know if I can waste a top five pick on a guy that may miss half the season, though. Like well, I, I, I tell so- you, I tell you what, if he's still sitting there at seven. He won't be after I pick. Yes! Listen to that. All right, bud. Is there a wide receiver or wide wide receivers, plural, that are worth drafting in the first round of a draft that features 12 teams? Absolutely. Um, again, PPR, absolutely. Um, after those first handful of prime running backs go off the board, at that point, if you see four, five, six running backs go off the board before you pick, at that point, the value now now goes to wide receiver because you are still going to be able to get somebody who, who dominates week in and week out. you got your Cups, you got Jefferson, um, Jamar Chase, um, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs are all probably going to be worth consideration in the first round um, depending on how many running backs go off the board. You know, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs may not go until the, the end of the first round in the 12-team league, but um, all of those guys are certainly worth consideration because, the, again, you got to look at the point differential between the number um, four running back and the number 
nine running back. You know, you don't necessarily have to take all the top ten running backs in the first round. And real quick, certain tight ends you should treat as number one wide receivers as well, guys like Travis Kelsey and others, right? Yeah, Travis Kelsey, Andrews, they're going to get a wide receiver target share, um, so you can draft them as such. Um, also, probably Kyle Pitts, just because outside of the unproven rookie, there's really no other proven pass catchers in Atlanta right now, so he's going to dominate the target share there. So, yeah, those guys get a wide receiver workload, so you can certainly draft those guys in lieu of one of those top five receivers and still get similar production. All right, bud, only got about 30 seconds or so, but go ahead and remind everyone about taking kickers and defenses way too early. Go ahead. Um, if you're in the RP3 and company league, take them early and often. Defense wins championships. But if you're in any other league, don't take them to the last round, please. <laughs> Zach, appreciate your time, brother. It was brief this week. We'll do more of analysis for the opening week of the season and the opening week of fantasy football next week, brother. Thank you for making the time. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend, bud, with the girls. Same to you, brother. Zach Miller, our fantasy football expert there. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, it'll be time for the Big Easy Blitz. Fletcher Mackle from WDSU out of New Orleans will join us talking all things black and gold. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Houdan is ready for Saints talk. The give to Camara. Breaks through, spins at the two, into the end zone. Touchdown! Time to talk Saints with the Big Easy Blitz here on RP3 and Company. Saints gear up for their season opener against the Atlanta Falcons. And plenty of drama involving the team as always. It wouldn't be an off-season for the New Orleans Saints if there wasn't something to be chatting about. Would it be? It just wouldn't. Joining us now to discuss it is the man who's been awarded the Louisiana Sportscaster of the Year Award three times from WDSU. Fletcher Mackle joins us now for the Big Easy Blitz. Fletcher, good morning, bud. Uh, It's been an interesting uh, three or four days for the Saints. Let me tell you, I thought this was going to be a quiet week, and we were like making up content for the Saints, and we could just focus on LSU Florida State. And every day it seems like it's gone off the rails, so to say, from – Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and kind of the surprise trade that happened uh, after a failed contract negotiation. And then, sadly, the news yesterday that safety Marcus May, another player from the defensive backfield, was arrested on one count of aggravated assault with a firearm after a road rage incident leaving the team facility. So it is uh, it has been an eventful week, according to uh, headlines. Maybe not on the field, or anything from a football preparation standpoint, but at least uh, in the splash headlines department, it is uh, it has been not a great week, a great week for the New Orleans Saints. What do we know about the Marcus situation? Because we, we can't jump to a conclusion, right? We we know what the initial report is, but a lot of times these things play out and we learn more, and it's not exactly what we think it is, right? So how are the Saints treating this and and what's going to be the protocol for them and his status for the opener against Atlanta? So I will say this. I think he's playing against Atlanta. I don't think this situation 
will affect him in the immediate future. Because the one thing the NFL has done, and I think it's the right thing to do, and you no doubt remember a time and place in the NFL where they acted as judge, jury, executioner before the legal process played out. That the NFL would simply say, you violated the code of conduct for a player. And therefore, we don't care what the outcome of any legal situation is. We feel like this is a black eye for the league. We feel like you were in the wrong and we're suspending you or we're we're punishing you in some form or fashion. Well, the NFL has really backed off of that, which I think is the right thing, because innocent until proven guilty is is what America is. And so to me, the NFL now waits until the legal process is played out before taking any type of action. Now, look, there's certain extenuating circumstances where if something is so egregious, they have to take action. But in 99% of the cases, they wait until the legal process is played out. So the road rage incident that Marcus May was involved in this week, it, it may take months. It may not be settled until 2023. So Marcus May will be on the field in Atlanta. The sad thing is about Marcus May, when he was with the New York Jets last year, he got a DWI, and that will probably affect him for a one- or two-game suspension this season before this current legal situation does. I mean, I, I don't love talking about guys' legal situations, but his DWI will probably affect him before the road rage incident ever becomes a situation where he could face some type of punishment. So uh, Marcus May from what I am told from a football perspective, is expected to be back at practice next week in game one in Atlanta, one of the two starting safeties with Tyron Matthew. How does this team replace Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I believe was a good player but not a great player? Uh, He was good at doing – great at being an antagonist, great at getting under the skin, but skill set-wise I thought he was a good, sometimes very good player – not a great like generational talent, but he did give them something. How do they replace him? So let me just follow up there. His pettiness was perfect for New Orleans and the fan base here. You know, the people that organized the Boycott Bowl and didn't watch the Super Bowl and had 100,000 people in the streets after the Nolan No Call, you know, his pettiness, he became a real cult hero here in New Orleans. So I agree 100% with what you're saying about who he was, the fan favorite, the antagonizer that he was on the field. He's a good NFL starter. Make no, make no bones about it. He's a solid NFL starter. But he, he, could he become an elite slot cornerback that, that in the next couple of years becomes the best at that position? Yes. But the Saints can't pay him for what he may be. He and the Saints had been dealing all offseason. Realize he wasn't at offseason training activities. He only came to mandatory minicamp because he had to. And at training camp, he ruffled feathers because he wouldn't partake in all portions of practice because he and the front office were going through a prolonged contract negotiation. And the Saints were ready to give him a deal, a deal that paid him like a solid starter and like the player that he was. He wanted elite money. They were about $5 million a year off. That's, that's the Atlantic Ocean in the NFL. I mean, they were way off on what they wanted. So I understand the Saints saying we can't have a locker room lawyer talking bad about the front office. We're trying to do something here. We're in win-now mode. We can't have a popular player who, who has a lot of stroke in the locker room being a locker room lawyer against us. So they went additional. 
direction. And it's a gamble because you're getting rid of a good starter because you feel like culturally he may divide your locker room because he's unhappy he didn't get a contract. The good news is, is the Saints do have a guy named Bradley Roby, who's a former first-round draft pick, was a starter with the Denver Broncos on their Super Bowl team, was a solid backup last year on this team. So he could potentially fill that void. You still have P.J. Williams, who's a backup, but has been a solid backup you know, since he was drafted by the Saints out of Florida State. And then you drafted Alante Taylor, who they really like in the second round out of the University of Tennessee. And you also signed Justin Evans and Daniel Sorensen, his veteran you know, backup. So I think they feel like we have enough depth to absorb what Chauncey did. We just can't go forward with him being a disrupt potentially, not that he would have been, but the potential for him to sulk in the locker room is not what we can deal with. We need guys who are all in. It reminds me a lot, Fletcher, and I said this on the air, of what happened with Jimmy Graham and what happened with Mark Ingram the first time. Those were fan favorites and guys that the fans loved and wore their jerseys. And when they couldn't come to terms and they were too far off, the Saints parted ways. Like, that's how Mickey operates. And so I'm not completely surprised that Chauncey says, I want so much money, and Mickey's like, no, thank you. Thank you for your time. There's the door. I'll get whatever I can for you. I'm not surprised by that if you pay attention to what the Saints do. No, I, I, would, I would say I agree with you. Look, I've, I've been here 20 years now. Mickey's been here 22 years. The Saints pay people. They made Michael Thomas the highest-paid tight end, I mean, the highest-paid wide receiver in football. They made Jimmy Graham at one time the highest-paid tight end in the NFL. They made Drew Brees 10 years ago. 10 years ago, they made Drew Brees the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. And they've always paid guys like Cam Jordan, Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchek. They paid Alvin Kamara. But if you notice, Cam Jordan isn't one of the three highest-paid defensive ends in the league. Teron Armstead was never one of the highest-paid tackles in the league. Alvin Kamara is not one of the high, three highest paid running backs in the league. They give guys deals and they take care of them, but what they don't do is overstep their boundaries, so to say. They don't pay average, or they don't pay starters. He's not an average starter. They don't pay good starters like superstars. They don't pay average players like good players. They, they basically, one thing they've done well here, and, and look, they've missed a couple of times in 20 years, but not often, is they pay you what you're worth. And you mentioned Mark Ingram. I love Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, this was in the offseason back in 2018. He was a free agent. He felt like he was worth more. The Saints and he got to a point where it it went sideways. The Saints signed Latavius Murray, and Ingram got the exact same deal the Saints were offering from Baltimore and even went on record firing his agent, saying that he should have taken the deal in New Orleans. So I think the deal the Saints were offering Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is probably the deal he gets next year when he becomes a free agent, and I wish they could have worked it out. Um, I, I do think that he probably he and his agent probably overplayed their hand a little bit, but um, it's a bold move for the Saints because, again, you know you have to kind of thread that needle. He is a good starting, productive player who brings a little attitude to your team, but they felt like the disruption factor and the potential, you know, sulking that he could have done they just it's not something they could have tolerated this year so they they pulled the plug on him and uh, it'll be interesting to see if in fact they're right and they do have enough quality depth to to fill in for him without missing a beat all right but i could ask you about trevor pinning's you know injury status or you know is michael thomas going to be 100 percent healthy for the opener we could do all that but i'm not going to because i want to know how did it go with the uh new orleans saints media flag football game 
So the flag football game was back for the first time since COVID. It's something that the media relations department started back in 2014 when the Saints were going to West Virginia, the Greenbrier Resort for training camp, and it just carried on. And it was as ugly as you would expect <laughs> for, uh, you know, for a bunch of people in the media. Dennis Allen jokes, he goes, I'm sorry I missed it because I would love to see you all who tell us what we're doing right and wrong, see you all in action. Um, there are some members of the media who are actually pretty good athletes, but I would say overall more sloppy than, than anything else. But, look, it was a good time. We get to run around in the Dome, and, uh, and it, it was competitive, so, uh, so it was a lot of fun. Brother, appreciate your time as always. Keep up the tremendous work that you're doing there at WDSU. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Enjoy your weekend, your last weekend without NFL football. I know. I know. College starts this week. It'll be great. And uh, I hope everything's good for you all over in uh, the Katyana area. Thank you, brother. That's Fletcher Mackle joining us for the Big Easy Blitz, breaking it all down. Next time you have Luke Johnson on footnotes, you'll have to ask him because he took part in that flag football game as well, by the way. Yes, I saw photographic evidence on the social medias. Reminder, the wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game, and you will get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Let me explain. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code 1037GAME to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years of age to play physically present in Louisiana. Of course, select parishes only. You want to know more about the wagering and deposit restrictions, eligibility terms, go visit DraftKings.com slash football terms for more information. we got to take a timeout. We'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests that helped us get ready for the weekend, the holiday weekend at that. James Yasko from the Lima Time Time podcast. Jesse Koger from Plant the Spear. Zach Miller, fantasy football expert of RP3 and Company. And Fletcher Mackle of WDSU. Poll question of the day, final results. Who has the best chance to win their season opener? 56% of you say the Louisiana Raging Cajuns over Southeastern at Cajun Field. On Saturday night, 42% say LSU over Florida State Sunday night inside the Caesar Superdome. And 2% for the McNeese Cowboys playing Montana State in Bozeman on Saturday night. Whew. What a week it has been. What a week. The game changer of the week phone call. We don't have time for it, but we will share it on social media later. Shout out to our guy, Darren, for stepping up this week and delivering the goods with the Game Changer of the Week phone call. We will share that on social media later on today. 
for the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. I'm Raymond Parts the Third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again Monday live from my hotel room because I'm covering LSU late Sunday night. So you'll be having RP3 and company from a hotel room in New Orleans on Labor Day. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.